0: You are listening to the official Sasta podcast, brought to you by Jason Lempkin, godfather of Sass, and me, Harry Stebbings of the 20 Minute VC. I am at hstebbings, that's hstebbings with two b's, on Snapchat. And Jason, well, remember the deal from Monday? Jason has three more days, that's three more days to get on Snapchat. Or else we will be distributing a load of wicked Sasta merchandise and goodies to our biggest fans, courtesy of Jason for losing that bet. That is if he doesn't get on Snapchat. Snapchat by Monday, and today we are following on from part one of our 20-minute VC episode with Nicholas Desaigne at Algolia. If you've not checked this out, then head over to the 20-minute VC on iTunes to catch that, and this part two episode will be much more SaaS orientated, really taking a deep dive into the business, its growth, scaling, and more. A little context on Algolia themselves, they deliver an intuitive search-as-you-type experience on the web and mobile, and they were part of YC's Winter 2000. 2014 batch and raised $18.3 million in May 2015, with investors including the likes of Excel, Point9, Storm Ventures, and many more incredible investors. But enough from me, so it is now time to hand over the mic to Nicolas Desaigne, founder and CEO at Algolia. Good perfect okay i think we're warmed up well this is a follow-on from the 20 minute bc so if you haven't listened to that we have nicholas on the show from algolia uh, and we discussed the origin story in the 20 minute bc episode and now we're going to deep dive into the world of SAS with nicholas so nicholas thank you so much for joining us again
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, now I want to discuss all things SaaS now. We're on the official SaaS podcast. We kind of have to. So I want to start with how you moved from a, a very, this is Jason Lempkin's words here, not mine, a very mm-hmm. cheap SDK, which no one would pay for, <laughs> to a web-based product and a company with a million dollar customers. Talk to me. How did that happen?
1: Uh, that one step at a time. I mean, that was a long process. No, the first thing was to realize that we were on the wrong path. And it's not so easy when you want to pivot. Uh, it was not a huge failure. You know, we had a few customers. We probably could have continued and having more quickly enough. We realized that it was not going to be our dream company, uh, growing fast and so on. And so, okay, what could we do differently? Focused on the feedback. People loved the user experience we created. They wanted that online. And so we moved online. Fortunately, we had some experience into building SaaS products uh, before. So we used that experience to go fast. Like a few months later, we had a beta. The beta was, let's say, problem solution fit. Uh, we realized that we had a really differentiated product uh, for that market. And then we wanted to accelerate raised money launched the product from like the very first customers that we had to hustle to get it was climbing a, like climbing a ladder ladder one step at a time mm-hmm. always get the bigger one and the bigger one
0: Absolutely. And I I want to dive on a few things there. Um, but the first one was you said about getting uh, user feedback. And one thing that we've seen a lot of in recent SaaS sales times is kind of co-customization where the founder and the potential customer uh, kind of work together to customize the perfect product for the customer. Was that very much part of Algolia's founding?
1: Not so much. Actually, I think you need to find a good balance uh, between uh, what the customers are asking and what you believe is right. We did a product that was uh, very different from what was existing at that time. And so we, if we just had followed what customers were saying, we wouldn't have built the same thing. So yes, listen to the customers, uh, try to Understand their pain first, not what they are not doing what they ask to you to do, but really understand what they where they come from, what they think you are trying you should solve.
0: Then I want to ask, you said about hustling for customers there and, and always going for kind of the one, one step more. And you now have much of a Fortune 500 as clients. And, and so I want to ask how you approached these kind of massive companies as a small SaaS startup in a sea of other SaaS startups pitching.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you need to differentiate yourself. Uh, in our case, we, we differentiate on three, three axes. Uh, one is user experience basically what kind of experience we can enable our customers to create for their users. Uh, Then we got the developer experience. It's really the interaction between developers and us, um, like the quality of the API, the documentation, the communication with support. And then the last one is infrastructure. Today we are available into like in 36 data centers around the world. Completely crazy infrastructure. Usually people would choose us for any of the three, If not the three, but uh, the last one, the infrastructure is what enabled us to really access to bigger and bigger customers. That infrastructure, we can actually be more reliable than anything they could build themselves. And as long, as soon as you have, uh, like the credibility, as soon as they trust you on this one, you really get this credibility that will enable you to, to get into customers. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to uh, to reach uh, being a small company.
0: And and a recent guest on the show, Doug Pepper, said his biggest concern was startups and being able to differentiate themselves in the sea of uh, startups selling to CIOs and VPs. What would you then advise startups looking to differentiate themselves? You know that those were three very use cases for Algolia. They're they're more template like. Mm-hmm. Uh, ways you can differentiate
1: maybe focus uh focus on something that you are going to solve much better than the users like the big companies like your big competitors uh may have like a very strong product, but it's uh uh it's like uh probably heavier more difficult to implement than anything you could build yourself and by more going like the best of breed um approach having like solving. One problem only and solving it better than anyone. Uh, you'll definitely open doors, not every doors. But enough of them to get your first customers and then you can be uh, on top of that.
0: And you spoke there about your developers uh, in within Algolia. And I want to discuss kind of the integration of developers and sales, because mm-hmm. you've done incredibly well in, in enabling a dev centric team to embrace sales from from day one, which is a traditionally very kind of paradoxical sectors sales <laughs> and then t- development. So I'm, I'm intrigued. How did you create this unison?
1: That's right. Now, uh, the first thing to, to understand is probably our background. Both my co-founder and I have, yeah, we had a quite a long experience before creating Algolia, even if we are first-time founders. And so we deeply believed into the power of sales and marketing before creating Algolia. We knew what we didn't want in sales and marketing, but we knew it was so important. And that's probably also one of the reasons we were able to penetrate enterprises early on in the lives of the company. Uh, actually, our second hire is our VPBs dev because we knew we didn't have the skill set. And so we hired the skill set to complement the team very early. Then the how to make sure the developers themselves are thinking about uh, the success of the company is more about the culture. We have this ownership uh, focused culture where we want everyone to feel like it's their own company. We want them to take initiatives. We want them to, to make Want them to make decisions for the best of the company. And the best of the company always, co- always go through, uh, revenues. Uh, and growth—that is a focus that everyone needs to have in mind when they join the company.
0: And you said there about the VP of BizDev being the second hire very early on, and and fantastic for you for kind of seeing the having the foresight to see that it, it was skills that you didn't have. But I'm intrigued then as to the hiring process, hiring for a position where you're not skilled at. How do you know the right questions to ask, for example, when you're looking for a you know engineer or CTO, and you're a marketer? How do you embrace that and, and kind of approach
1: it. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> the thing is that you don't know what to ask. And
0: this no. is it. As a CTO, how did you know what VP of Dev, you know, what VP of biz dev should be doing and what is the right question? Uh,
1: so you don't know. So you kind of learned that at that time, we didn't have, uh, well, Saster was not yet a big thing. So like the, the blog post from Jason was not, we're not yet there to help us. I think the most important here for us was to make sure that the guy was a Hustler was like in line with our culture? References were very important. When you don't know, I mean, definitely check references, especially at uh, at this kind of uh, position, like very imp- impacting position. You want to make sure that they did uh, a great job before, and so call references, call background ref- references. It's probably going to tell you more than you could ever discover yourself.
0: And and you say, you said about VP of Biz Dev. Then when did that's you right. when did you hire your first VP of sales?
1: So that's that's a good question. I'm looking for one. Okay. So, are so, so if you're listening uh, now,
0: then, and you're a VP of sales, then get in touch. Um, okay, fantastic. Okay, so okay, so what what are you looking for now in your
1: VP of sales? You you, you know we did a, a pretty good job at growing fast without having a complete sales and marketing engine in place. We had a developers community. So that's something we, I wouldn't say we nailed it, but uh, we did that pretty well. Uh, we, we get, we got to grow where we are today, all through developers. Then if I look at the next steps of the company, uh, we want to move to the next 10, then 50, then 100 million dollars ARR to go there. We need more experience. We are looking for VP cells that is Aligned with our culture, but that is going to bring us the experience of building a very good sales engine. So having them in the past selling a SaaS product, ideally tech product is good. Having built an inside sales uh, team, having sold at our price point and above, especially above, similar sales cycle. All that things are important for us.
0: And then with regards to the price point, how, how have you kind of handled the, the scaling up of your prices? You have increased it with time.
1: Uh, we did increase it already a few times and we are will probably increase it again in the future. And I mean, it's completely normal. The product value is, uh, is increasing too. As we improve the product, the value is improving and so we can improve the price. What we learned in the beginning is also that a cheap product is not a good thing. So we started by... a the pricing that was really at the low end, our biggest price was at 300 bucks a month at that time. And it was harming us in terms of credibility for bigger customers. Like uh, if you sell a cheap product, you are not for me. And so growing, raising that price actually helped, up, helped us to better position ourselves. And then one of the struggles is also... You know, we are a developer-focused company. Mm-hmm. One thing that is very important for developers is, is really trust and transparency. And so we don't create a price depending on the means of the customers. We we use a price depending on the use case of the actual need of the customer. And that worked pretty well for us up to now because a developer would trust us even more because of that. But then the issue for us is really to find a way to bring more value to bigger customers to raise the price for them and that yeah that's still a struggle for us today working on that like premium support 100% SLA uh with huge penalties if we are down uh, all of that can bring a much higher price
0: And and you mentioned that your customer base being developers. Uh, And so what is the kind of B2Dev marketing spec look like for you at Algolia?
1: A lot of content, a lot of what we call hacks, like powering the search for hacker news or for product and our kind of hacks. It's kind of like for us, we don't. uh, uh, make people pay for that, but we got this small logo, a small branding. Lately, we did, a, like, just ex- describe the last one, uh, what we call dog search. Uh, developers are using a lot of uh, frameworks, many open source frameworks. They all have documentations. So what we did is we developed a customized engine to deliver a great search into these documentations, and we started to offer that for free to all these uh, communities. And so that's how, for example, uh, Facebook React is using our uh, search inside the, inside their website. And so if you search there, you'll see a small power by Algolia. For us, that's a great way to reach out to this uh, developers community.
0: Mm-hmm. And then in terms of reaching out to the developer community, I'm really intrigued when, when we look at kind of the different sales models. Would you say Algolia is a top down
1: or a bottoms up? It's a kind of both, but mostly bottom up, Uh, mostly bottom up because, you know, one of the trends uh, that we see today, even in enterprises, is that developers are the new hero. Like 10 years ago, uh, in big companies, the CIO, the CTO would make the choice, the technology choice. Uh, Today, the developers are choosing. So having that uh, support from the developers community is helping us uh, tremendously. Um, and that's not going to change. So I think bottom up is good, but then we don't want to uh, wait for that. And so sometimes we, we would do some top down approach. Uh, reaching out to to keep people to go faster, especially at the big accounts.
0: And you mentioned there in terms of B2 marketing, the the element of content and how important content is for you for customer acquisition. And I'm I'm really intrigued then in, in recent years we've seen the expansion of sales to, to engulf marketing and, and the evolution of mm-hmm. content marketing. So so Algolia on brand building then and customer onboarding through content marketing, how much of a role is that in your sales cycle?
1: It's critical but it should be even more critical. Um, we are not yet the best at uh, at getting that message out, especially for enterprises. One of our struggle today, our biggest struggle today, on marketing side. Is to be able to market to enterprises while keeping our developer identity, our developer DNA. That's something we're working on, uh, definitely. Can I, uh,
0: can I interrupt and ask how, do yeah, you, sure. how do you do that then? Just cause, you know, corporate entities are very much seen as the formal suit wearing, you know, very established yeah. and developers are much more kind of, you know, as you are and relaxed and it, there seem to be paradoxical clashing.
1: Yeah, so that's right. But then uh, it's question of like uh, setting the tone. So the first thing is that at our core we are develop- definitely developers, and so we would never take like the tactics of pure enterprise companies in terms of marketing and kind of voice we would take. So we we'll always try to keep that humble, right to the bone voice tone uh, for us. But then that doesn't mean that we cannot use that same tone for- with like key decision maker actually. Actually, they may like it more, uh, because they, they are marketed so much all the day, all day long by so many companies that having someone who is a bit different can be good. And then, uh, we need to improve on our use of the playbook, like, uh, you know, um, webinars, weight um, wait, uh, like white papers, case studies, all of that. We should do much more to improve the credibility of the company. Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the things we need to, we, we are actually working on improving is that today we focused so much on developers that enterprise is coming to the website may not recognize us right away as uh as the right provider, which is a which is a shame because uh, we are the right provider for them.
0: It's getting that balance, it's it's mm. tough. Yeah. I am intrigued then. Is is content marketing and brand building necessary? that you you said you're a top down and a bottoms up. So if taking an independent stance is content marketing uh, important if you're entirely a top-down, if you're selling purely to VPs of sales or, you know, CIOs? Is that important?
1: <laughs> uh, probably less. It, it will depend on the, the market. If you are a purely outbound, focused company uh, with a very clear, narrow focus target, uh, maybe it's not as important.
0: And we're going to dive into 60 seconds faster now. So uh, I'm going to hit you with a question. You've got 60 seconds to answer it. Okay.
1: 60 seconds per question. Okay. Per, per question,
0: yeah, don't worry. I'm going to be strict, don't worry. Uh, so VP of sales, we... we, we
1: <laughs> yeah, we, soon, we, <laughs> as soon, soon as possible. As <laughs> soon as
0: possible. And the must-ask questions for you in this process?
1: Who would they hire? Uh, what uh, were you selling? I would probably ask them to explain more about what they were selling before to make sure that uh, it's aligned with what we do.
0: And then I'd like to discuss learning on outbound versus inbound sales. What's it for you?
1: So for us, it's uh, like 95% inbound today. Inbound is uh, is critical for us. I think I, I prefer inbound to outbound any day. But then outbound for us is all about increasing that deal, that leads number of leads, targeting uh, bigger uh, accounts and bigger accounts. And so I think it's complementary. Uh, we still have a lot to learn on outbound. What we learned today is that cold emailing is not working. So we need to be much more focused into who we talk to and to be much more personalized in our outbound activities.
0: And then teams on two continents seems like a challenge. How does it work for you?
1: It was very, very challenging at first, but I would say that today now it's a a big strength um, because it enables us to be global first, to have that diversity in the team in terms of opinion. Everybody is contributing more that way. Uh, also to hire talents it's so difficult so competitive to hire great talents here in the in san francisco then being able to hire technical talents in europe is really really helping a lot to grow faster on the tech team
0: how's it been personally for you making the move with algolia to san francisco
1: it's been very progressive actually because uh, uh, one of the things we've done pretty well was i don't know if it's a good thing but Uh, it it turned out pretty well is that we moved pretty slowly Uh, after Y Combinator. All the team went back to Paris. And then because most of our customers were in US, we were going back and forth, uh, flying back and forth between uh, SF and Paris. Uh, and so before moving here, I was already spending probably a, a third of my time in San Francisco. So it was pretty smooth, actually.
0: And then we're going to move back to uh, one more longer form question. So don't worry, the countdown's not on you anymore. But I, I want to I wanna hear your take on the solution sale versus tool debate. And, and fundamentally, what Algolia is replacing and what the worth of that is.
1: Okay, so solutions versus tool. We are probably more on the tool side today, and I'm not sure it's a bad thing. Um, I'm a big believer into into this API economy. All these companies like Stripe, Twilio, SandGrid, um, all these building blocks. I think we are, in a way, a reshaping the the way to build software. Like APIs are eating software today. And so we want to be that building block for every developers out there to go faster to market and to really not have to think about uh, the complexity of building their own search engine. Uh, same thing for what happened with Stripe. Solutions? Yeah, I am probably more for. Our partners, at least for now, um, maybe later on, we'll probably invest more on that, but having partners building solutions off top, on top of Algolia would be great, which doesn't mean that we shouldn't sometime uh, be more focused in our marketing, uh, getting some key case studies, like for specific verticals, like having some vertical marketing is always helpful to showcase how uh, our solution can bring a lot of value in uh, specific verticals.
0: And and Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us on the official Sasta podcast day. It's been such a fantastic time having you on the show.
1: And thank you for welcoming me. It was great. Please hang up and try again.
0: What a fantastic two-parter that was with Nicholas. And if you'd like to see the show notes for the episode today, then you can find them on sastr.com. That's S-A-A-S-T-R dot com. And don't forget to head over to Snapchat and add Hstebbings. That's Stebbings with two Bs. And we look forward to welcoming Jason Lemkin to Snapchat by Monday. Remember that one. And thank you so much, as always, for all your support for the show. We so appreciate it, and we look forward to bringing you next week's episode.